We were standing in the middle of a dimly lit street on an unbelievably dark night in November, looking for a bar. This was hardly a new experience for me, but in the days before the wide availability of detailed world maps and tiny devices in our pockets, it was challenging. It was my first time in Brooklyn, and we had a vague idea of where this world-class Belgian-focused beer bar was located, but unsurprisingly, our directions didn't quite get us there. So as we stood there, trying to figure out which direction to head in next, some local beer geeks passed by, noticed our predicament, and helped guide us to Spite and Dival, where we drank Cantillon, ate stinky cheese, and laughed through the evening. This was the night I fell in love with the town on which we focused today's episode, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn was once one of the world's great brewing centers. Home to nearly 50 breweries in 1900, the borough brewed a ton of beer under brand names like Schaefer, Rheingold, and many others lost to history. But that came to an end by the mid-1970s, and the borough's mash tons went silent for the next almost 20 years. That was until 1987, when Steve Hindy and Tom Potter decided to open up their own brewery in a warehouse district in Williamsburg. Named after the borough it inhabited, Brooklyn Brewery would go on to spread the word of craft beer around the globe and become one of the early pioneers of the resurgent modern American beer scene. It took a while for brewing to catch on again in Brooklyn, but slowly others opened, including Kelso and Six Point. And then there was the third wave of craft breweries, with names such as Other Half, Threes, and Finback. Today, Brooklyn's beer scene is top-notch, and the borough's bars and breweries make for an easy and exciting night out. After falling in love with it after my first visit, I now trek down to Brooklyn a couple times a year, including in December, for an annual holiday-themed pub and brewery crawl. It remains a favorite place to visit and drink, and I look forward to exploring it with two great local experts today. Courtney Eisman is a freelance writer who has written engaging pieces for Vine Pear, Craft Beer and Brewing, as well as her own newsletter, Hugging the Bar. She's a compelling voice in beer, and has written extensively about everything from diversity and inclusion to her favorite local Brooklyn pubs, including about the bar owned by our second guest. Chris Maestro is a DJ, avid record collector, educator, and also the co-owner with his wife of Beer Wax, a beer bar with outposts in both Brooklyn and Queens. The Prospect Heights-based bar focuses on great beer, with 12 taps, along with music, played mostly analog style from one of Chris's thousands of vinyl records that line the back of the bar. He was in the beer business before opening his own shop and is a Brooklyn native, so he's got a lot of history in the borough and a lot of advice to share. And it's a big borough. There's a lot of ground to cover in this episode. So let's get started with our tour of Brooklyn, New York, with writer Courtney Eisman and publican Chris Maestro. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Why take a vacation when you can beercation instead? Explore the world one pint at a time and join pub culture beercations for one of our upcoming group tours, like Going Dutch, Beer in the Netherlands, with award-winning Dutch beer and travel writer Tim Skelton. As the author of Beer in the Netherlands and Around Amsterdam and 80 Beers, join Tim April 29th through May 11th, 2023 for 11 beery nights as he explores the sights, history, culture, and beer of this often overlooked beercation destination. Visit pubculturebeercations.com for more information. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. 
Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Beer Travelers Podcast. I'm Andy Crouch, and I'm excited today to travel to one of my very favorite places to go and drink beer, a great uh, just drinking city uh, all, you know, all the way around, and that's Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and today we have two excellent local uh, guides to help us understand the beer culture in the city, what's going on there, uh, and and where where to spend your time. The first uh, first we have is uh, Courtney Eisman. She is a freelance writer, and as I said at the top of the show, we got into more detail about her background, and and we'll hear a little bit more about uh, some of the articles she's written during this program. And we also have uh, Chris Maestro who is a man of many talents. Uh, he is a DJ, uh, and but more importantly for this purpose, um, someone who's worked in the beer industry, but also owns two bars, one in Brooklyn and one in Queens, and that's Beer Wax. Um, so we'll be talking with both of them today. So let's get started with some just general questions about um, Brooklyn and the Brooklyn beer scene. And we'll start with Chris. How how would you characterize you know the Brooklyn beer scene? How would you describe it to to people who have not not been there before and and not had a chance to to drink through the town? I would say it's ever growing, ever changing. Uh, you know, I was kind of early in the scene, just exploring bars and and breweries that existed uh, pre twenty thirteen. Uh, so to see the you know the huge growth after twenty thirteen to to today. Uh, is quite amazing. You have uh, an explosion in craft beer bars. Some, unfortunately, after the pandemic have closed down, but others have popped up in its place. Uh, so it's like you can concentrate on a neighborhood and just do Williamsburg and spend, or Bushwick, and just spend really a day or two in just that small neighborhood in Brooklyn. You can do where Brew Racks is located and many other craft beer bars as a whole strip by Prospect Heights and Fort Greene. Uh, so it's really amazing that you can really Brooklyn is, you know, we call it the planet, right? It's it's so vast, it's so big. Uh, so it's amazing to be able to just choose one particular neighborhood, whether it's Gowanus, I can just name so many and spend so much time just hopping around to different breweries or different bars. And it's really, uh, you know, a fascinating town. I, I've been there many times and, you know, over the years, I think as I'm someone who grew up in the Midwest and, and you know, my understandings of New York, I didn't really come there until I was an adult. And it was really focused on Manhattan and a lot of a lot of focus on, you know, just television shows and the, and the portrayals through me media and movies and things like that. And Brooklyn was always sort of an afterthought. Um, but in, you know, the last you know 15 years or so, I've spent a lot of time just in Brooklyn. And to the point where that's just where I go. And like you said, Chris, I focus on a neighborhood and I try to get to know that neighborhood because, you know, a lot of beer, you know, beer folks who will travel to a town, they just they just run from point A to point B and they just, you know, traverse the you know, the, the scene and the city in ways that no local would ever do. Folks, you know, are they go to their local bars and they go to their local breweries as opposed to the rest of us who kind of run all over the place. So I think, you know, it is really great advice to kind of focus because otherwise it's just it's just kind of overwhelming. Exactly. Very true. And Courtney, and, for Courtney, for you, um, how you know, as someone who writes, you know, lives in Brooklyn, writes about the the you know the local Brooklyn beer scene, how would you how did you describe it to folks? Um, I mean, I think Chris did an excellent job. I think we're uh, something I think that is unique and special about uh, the Brooklyn and New York City beer scene, kind of in general too. But like, we are 
newer, like New York has, has, you know, is such a trendsetter and leader in so many industries, but, you know, due to different laws around what it was to have a tap room, uh, it's really been in, it's less than a decade that this sort of explosion has been happening. And really even in the last five or six years that breweries have really proliferated. Um, so, you know, before that we had beer bars holding it down and now we've got a nice mix of the two. Uh, and, you know, our scene is diverse and there are so many differences and creators bringing different things to the table. Another thing I've been thinking about a lot after visiting a few other cities recently is um, that walkability, like, like you're talking about getting to go to a neighborhood and you can just spend the entire day in that neighborhood. You don't have to get in a train or in a car, you know, you can just really go from brewery to brewery, beer bar to beer bar. And I think that's something that, you know, not, uh, not every city has, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty, pretty special and it's nice to be able to just immerse yourself in that neighborhood and you're still even though you're in that neighborhood and getting that character you're also like trying so many different kinds of beer from so many different vantage points you you sort of touched upon it but why do you why do you think it's taken so long um for for brooklyn and new york to to sort of come up in in beer it's it's one of these things i, I agree with you i've been traveling around the country and you know even here in boston i think boston has a lot you know, where I'm at has a lot of similarities to, to Brooklyn and New York, where it's just a major city. People think of it, they, they associate it with beer, you know, because just, you know, Sam Adams or for Brooklyn, because Brooklyn Brewery, they assume it's just a big booming scene. But then they're both really underdeveloped cities. And you go to a place like, you know, Columbus, Ohio, or St. Petersburg, Florida, and you, you're like, man, there are just dozens and dozens of breweries in this town. It, it's more vibrant than my own town, my own city. You know, what is, you know, you know, there's been such a long history, great history of brewing in Brooklyn, you know, dating back more than a hundred years, you know, you know, sort of what has happened and why, you know, why have there been, why has it been so slow? I mean, I do think so. Again, there were, you know, laws around, I think it was 2014 laws changed that really enabled a brew house to have a fully functioning tap room to have people there where they could actually buy, uh, you know, pours on draft, um, New York is obviously incredibly, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world yeah. and you need a lot of space for a brewery. Um, you know, we don't have as many, maybe, I mean, we do in Brooklyn and Queens and that's, you, you kind of see where people can find space and where breweries pop up, but it is so, it's so tough to find space, to secure space financially, and then to last, you know, and then, and then you're talking about, yes, you have your local scene, but New York uh, is so tourism based. Are you going to be able to get tourists out to different parts of Queens mm -hmm. and Brooklyn? So I think, you know, that's been a process. Um, and then I think, you know, New York has also always been a cocktail town, you know, yep. especially again, mo mostly in, in terms of tourism and like how, the city, when you talk about eating and drinking, the drinking component is usually cocktail bars, things like that. You know, I don't think New York was ever really associated with like a wine town or a craft beer town. And like that craft beer explosion, again, is so there and, and so exciting because it is pretty recent. Uh, Chris, you, we said at the top of the show that you run, you know, a great beer bar in, in the city, Beer Wax. Uh, it's been, you, you opened in 2017. Is that right? 20 it was yeah 2017 december so we're about to uh hit our fifth year anniversary 
Well, first of all, congrats on that. That's Thank a huge, you. huge achievement. And it's Thank not like, so much. it's not like we've been through much in the last couple of years. So <laughs> exactly. you know, congrats yeah. on that one. Um, Thank you, Andy. But before we, before we kind of get into your, your thoughts more on, on the Brooklyn scene, just, you know, we haven't really had a publican on the show yet. We're, we're pretty new here so far, but I think it can provide an interesting insight. Tell us more about beer wax. Um, Cause you know, we, we make later on court, Courtney may try to say, you know, sing the praises of beer wax. And I, and I, she's written about uh, written beautiful articles about your, um, your place, but from your perspective, what were you trying to do with beer wax? Really? It was a way for me to marry my two passions. So I was, uh, as you mentioned, a DJ from my late teens collecting records it wasn't until my mid twenties that I got into craft beer, uh, but eventually just really diving in to both of those things, collecting records, DJing and exploring and discovering incredible craft beer. I wanted to find a place that I could create that, that I would be happy just being in myself um, of really having those two things side by side, where you can just listen to some great music that's analog music, have some great DJ spinning and then have a really well curated uh, tap list and bottling can list. So um, it really is, uh, you know, it's, I never imagined that it would become what it is now and has celebrated as it is, as it is now. Um, Cause it really was something that I kind of did on my own, in my basement with my friends, you know, mm-hmm. I would spin records. We would get some, you know, whatever local craft beer we can get our hands on at the time. Uh, so to see it become what it has and to expand to a second location uh, has been just beyond my wildest imagination. Uh, but it's really, it's one of the first final record craft beer bars um, in the country. Uh, so it's, it's amazing to see all the other things that have opened up after beer wax. Um, and, uh, you know, I definitely uh, find great pleasure in seeing other things similar opening up and people have, t- have told me like, oh, you've influenced me to open up my place. So it's really pretty amazing. And as I noted, uh, Courtney's articles about uh, beer wax, Courtney, how would you describe beer wax? So we'll just get this, we'll get this out of the way up top here. So we don't have to come back to it. We'll give, we'll sing the praises of beer wax and then we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So yeah, I feel like I, I write so much about beer wax because it is it's it's on two levels. So it does feel like I've I've mentioned before, it is about a 45 minute walk from my apartment. There are definitely closer beer bars, but beer wax feels like my local. Uh just, you know, in terms of the staff uh feeling, you know, sort of like, you know, your local bar family. Um, but not only that, on another level as a beer writer you just instantly there's so many special things going on there in terms of the very you know unique music component uh as i've written you know when i've written about the bar it's not just but music is always going to be some kind of uh factor at a bar right you want a nice soundtrack Mm -hmm. but it's so intentional and such a huge part of beerwax's identity and there's so much unity in people discovering uh both craft beer and music alongside each other uh and embracing those two things and just like it's such a welcoming place uh you see people from you know far outside just like that that tiny craft beer community um it just it's just such a you know there's always such a good vibe uh outside on saturday afternoon or inside on a weeknight with a live dj event happening it's just you know there's there's a lot going on and and you definitely notice when you walk in for the first time why it's different from other beer bars as we said, you know, Brooklyn has had a long history of, of brewing, and I don't know if it was in the dozens or hundreds of breweries as not a not a beer historian. I try to avoid, you know, doing beer history too much, but the history there is huge, but it largely disappeared until, you know, about the late 80s um, when, you know, Steve Hendy, Garrett Oliver, and, and, and Tom Potter opened 
what would go on to be known as Brooklyn Brewery. Um, Chris, for you, what do you think the the role in in the New York's you know New York City and Brooklyn beer scenes? Uh, you know, how was that influenced by Brooklyn Brewery? Well, I mean, since they were really the the OGs uh, for so many years as really the sole brewery uh, in Brooklyn, they were in many ways the the gatekeepers for other breweries to open and the template for for other breweries. Um, but just beyond that, uh, you know, Garrett still comes around. A funny story is the first two months of Beer Rex being open, uh, I was in the basement in in what was my office back then, and a bartender comes running down very excitedly and said, "Oh, hold on." Uh, Garrett Oliver's upstairs. And I was like, what? So I, I went upstairs uh, and Garrett paid such a, an amazing compliment. And at the time, uh, as is, had been around for, you know, a great craft beer bar in, mm-hmm. uh, in Manhattan, had been around for a year already. And um, and he's like, wow, this, you know, kind of reminds me of as is in a certain strange way. Um, and that to me was just a beautiful compliment. He just, you know, kind of complimented us on the varied and diverse tap list and it, just the fact that he still, you know, goes around is very supportive uh, of other up and coming craft beer bars and breweries. Does amazing mm-hmm. collaborations with folks. Um, so, you know, from back then to the '90s to today, um, Garrett and you know the other folks at Brooklyn Brewery have been super supportive of the larger craft beer scene. Um, and you know, now what he's doing with the, the Michael Jackson Foundation yep. uh, of being able to really put money towards diversifying the craft beer scene. Uh, it's incredible. It's not easy to maintain relevance for, you know, five years, 10 years in this business, let alone, you know, more than 30. Um, Courtney, how do you, you know, what is, you know, what is the sort of current state of play with Brooklyn Brewery? What, you know, what role do they play in the local scene? Um, you know, how have they done in terms of, of keeping up? Because trends are rough. I mean, they, you know, this is a brewery that has largely defined itself based on, you know, a pretty straightforward amber lager that it's brewed, you know, off premise for, you know, a million years at this point. You know, it's hard to maintain that relevance. You know, where, where, you know, where are they in the state of, of all Brooklyn breweries? I mean, I think upon first glance, you might think that there's a little bit of I wouldn't use the word disconnect, but you know, it's, it's inevitable, right? Like Brooklyn mm-hmm. Brewery is all over the world. Um, I remember like years ago, one of the first times I was in Paris and saw like a Brooklyn Brewery truck go by and I got really excited because it was, it was like, oh my God, like a hometown brewery over here. Um, but you know, when you get that big uh, and you know, you have people that even people who like aren't dedicated craft beer drinkers know and, and maybe drink Brooklyn Brewery beer. Uh, it's inevitable when you're that big of a brand, you know, that you're not going to be maybe in the same, they're not on the same level as mm-hmm. like your crappy breweries that are like opening up right now sure. in a mall warehouse space, what have you. But what they have done that I hope, you know, people take the time to sort of understand about them is that they have been sort of shepherding along this scene. They remain very involved from the standpoint of that they can help people, you know, with with the, like the Michael Jackson uh, brewing and distilling fund with scholarships. Um, they remain, I think, involved in the community that way. So in a, in a special way, they recognize how big they've grown and what kind of impact they can make and how they can help, you know, keep this scene growing um, and really exciting. And then the other part of that with the beer itself is that 
you know, they have these, um, these iconic brands out there that people are familiar with that, you know, you can find on tap, even at a bar that doesn't maybe have a great craft beer selection. But when you go to the tap room, you can still really explore all like the hottest trends mm-hmm. and, and a lot of uniqueness. And I still think that the tap room is a really fun place to go because you realize like, oh, this is not a brand that got iconic and then was able to rest on its laurels. It is definitely still you know, doing all kinds. I mean, I think that they were one of the first to do like craft non-alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are different kinds of IPAs and sours. It's it's really it's really cool to still go there and see how much they're experimenting. As you said, the you know the scene was a little bit slow to develop, and and Brooklyn Brewery itself didn't really have much in the way of neighbors, competitors, uh, compatriots, other, other brands, you know, some had come and gone in, in, in Manhattan, you know, which is an exceedingly difficult, if not near impossible place to, to run a brewery um, to the point where, you know, at, at best of times, there's maybe one or two uh, that, that run, run there. Um, but it took, a, took a while for, for there to be some other breweries in, in Brooklyn. Um, and my memory, and I could be off about this. I think it may be the next one is, is it six point at that point, about 15 years later. And, and so what is, you know, what is sort of, you know, six point has had a lot of ups and downs, but just sort of going through a little bit of the craft beer history there, you know, what is, you know, where is six point, you know, these days and what, you know, what do people in Brooklyn think of, of that particular brand? Yeah, I was I was struggling to I'm like because I'm I'm 99% sure that was the next mm-hmm. one. Uh, but yeah, th- so that's actually a uh, funny timing for this question because they just opened a tap room finally uh, in sort of which, you know, is definitely also an emerging trend because they're in a sort of like cool hip food hall now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so And it's in the basement of a building where we have like an Alamo draft house. So I think people are coming in there and there's a lot of shopping in there. So they're really part of, they're very like plugged in right now to this new sort of food hall experience where people can go try, you know, all these different cool New York City restaurants. And then you can go into their tap room and it's beautiful and they have you know a full food menu and again there are some things that you're not going to be able to find you know in the on the shelves in your corner store um so i think that has it's it's an especially you know exciting time for them because they have also just sort of been i think just a constant you know they they are they've just been around since you've been if you're you know if you've been in new york and you've been plugged into the craft beer scene you know you can find six point on shelves um they are, you know, they do keep experimenting, but again, they're not maybe that brewery that you would associate with like the new brewery opening up down the street. Um, so it's been really cool to see them now have a tap room, someplace that like you can go and you can bring people and you can say like, oh, they're still coming out with mm-hmm. like all the new styles and, and and sort of reinventing trends here. And Chris, uh, someone who's, you know, been in that beer scene for a while, you know, what's your relationship with Six Point and, and how has that developed over time? That's a great question. I remember when it was really kind of a desert in terms of craft beer. Um, you know, resin was just such a, a great beer. If I could find it in a supermarket or somewhere, uh, I think this is around the same time that Kelso was also mm-hmm. around. Um, so yeah, resin and just something about like the slim can of, of resin and the other beers they were putting out uh, was very special to me. Uh, and this is, you know, over 12 years ago, but um you know, I know they went through some change in ownership, I believe. Um, you know, I am not 100% certain uh, 
who owns them at this point, but I do remember there was a bit of a shakeup. Um, so I personally haven't had six point ever at beer wax. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it doesn't fit with, with our brand per se. Um, but you know, I'm very happy as Courtney said that they're still around. They're still kicking it. They have a, you know, like this new tap room, which I would definitely go and support and check out. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we're not against, uh, if they, someone comes around and there's the beers are tasting really great, uh, writing them off completely. So mm-hmm. um, I'm su- super happy for them. And you mentioned it, but how do you go about selecting beer for your bar? Uh, you know, there's obviously in your bars, there's a lot of different ways you could approach that. It could be hyper-local, it could be style-based, you could be trying to do, you know, more of a national or international flair, but for you and, and for Beer Wax, what is that brand and what do you, what are you looking for? At first, we were trying to be almost 80% to 90% local. Uh, and when I say local, I consider local being New York State. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of very kind of New York State focused and forward. Uh, but that's changed a little bit over time because sometimes they're just really amazing breweries, for, you know, or even international breweries that we want to support and we want to make sure that we curate. Uh, but we still really try to focus on our neighbors. So whether that's Wild East, whether that's Spinback, whether that's Other Half, uh, there's so many great local breweries. So that's still kind of like the the foundation of what we do and how we think about the beers we want to curate. So let's talk a little bit about some of these neighborhoods. And that and that's really a huge focus here because you can bounce around all these different tap rooms, but it may involve, you know, driving, which is not great, or you know, you know, public transportation, which can be a little bit of a challenge depending on the, you know, the distance you're looking to go or Ubering. But you know, Courtney, you know, what is one neighborhood you know, that folks from out of town, you know, come in or often miss that they should really be focused on or visit? Yeah, I mean, there are so many good ones. But if we're going to talk about maybe a little bit underrated, because I do think when you have tourism in Brooklyn, it's a lot of the, a lot of the time, it's like Williamsburg yep. area. Um, but I live near so I live in Park Slope, but walking distance to Gowanus and like Carroll Gardens, Cobble Hill, which you don't think get a ton mm-hmm. of attention like to people who are you know a little less familiar with the city uh and they're i think it's one of the best beer neighborhoods i can walk to other half finback wild east strong rope um threes i yeah i feel like i'll kick myself later because i'm like forgetting (laughs) someone but uh and like a, a whole handful of really good beer bars as well uh, so I think if you can find a starting point in, say, Gowanus, uh, Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens, oh, and like, you know, you have Talea, who is in Williamsburg, but they opened a tap room in Cobble Hill. We also, because we also do have that going on, um, like Finback over here in Gowanus, you know, their original tap room is, of course, in Queens, but this is a newer addition. Threes has a tap room in Greenpoint. So there is some mirroring going on, you know, mm. depending like if you have one day to spend in Brooklyn and you're like, no, I really want to be in Williamsburg or I, re-, you know, you can find some of the same places. Um, but yeah, I would not sleep on this sort of Gowanus Carroll Gardens neighborhood. Yeah, this is where I've been parking myself in recent years. And well, I'll be back next month to stay in that exact same area and and head to beer wax and 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 like you said strong rope and all these breweries that are just right there it's it's incredible just the you know just the walking ability of just that one particular neighborhood um but for you know chris where you know same question to you you know what's a neighborhood that people are sleeping on that that is great for beer well, I'm going to have to do a plug for our own neighborhood, uh, but I want to kind of take it back 
in a sense, a, a kind of a personal uh, relationship with our own neighborhood. Because when Please. I was working, uh, I was my previous life, I was an educator. Um, and the last kind of official nine to five I had was at an all girls high school in downtown Brooklyn. Um, and at that time, after I would get off of, uh, you know, out of work, I was about to say out of school, but it was, um, I would try to hit up any local craft beer bar. So St. Gambrinus was walking distance. Um, unfortunately, they closed down, but Hops Hill is taking over mm-hmm. uh, that space. Uh, so, and I also would go and visit Joe from Hops Hill, um, which is a little bit further up, but uh, I would go there as well. And this is now seven years ago. I would just pick their brains, um, ask them about everything from how much is your light bill to <laughs> how much is rent and how do you afford to do this? So I really tip my hat to, to both uh, Ray and, and Joe uh, for all their mentorship. Uh, so, yeah, I would start there once uh, Hops Hill uh, Atlantic Avenue opens mm-hmm. um, and work my way towards uh, Beer Witch. Uh, they have an incredible, uh, you know, curated program as well. M- amazing bottle list that Krista does. Um, and then make your way up to maybe visit the original location of Hops Hill. Make your way to Beer Wax. Uh, of course, before hitting Beer Wax, actually, if you're walking, you should definitely pass by Beer Street South. So there's so many incredible you know craft beer bars all within walking distance so beer street south has such a huge space um their second location uh so we're right down the block from beer street south on vanderbilt avenue uh, we have had the luxury of having open streets so if you catch us on a weekend and it's nice weather uh, it's kind of like a beer garden out on the street uh so that's really has been a huge blessing for us um and then of course make your way over to underhill to gold star beer counter uh, and they keep walking up to, to Covenhoven. So, um, and if you want to throw in a, a brewery, go to Endless Life, uh, which is also walking distance from there. So it's really within, I would say, like a mile radius. You can hit so many amazing craft beer bars and even include a brewery in that in that little walking tour. And we'll be right back with the lightning round after a message from our sponsors. Stop living vicariously through other people's social media posts and get out and make some memories of your own. Join Pub Culture Beercations for one of our upcoming tours and start exploring the world one pint at a time with us. Visit pubculturebeercations.com for more information. Want more beer for your ears? The new All About Beer podcast, hosted by M. Sauter and Don Tess, takes a deep, engaging dive into the hottest topics in beer. Do you need to know what the heck a cold IPA is? Check out the first episode wherever you get your pods. New episodes drop every other Thursday. And now, back to Beer Travelers. So we are back and it's time to do the rapid fire lightning round. We just have quick questions, off the cuff answers, first sort of things that come to your mind. And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Courtney. In some cities, this is an easy question. Some cities, this is a hard question. I get the sense it might not be the easiest question for this one, but what are the top three local breweries for, for people who love hazy beer? Hmm. Well, other half, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we happen to have, you know, one of the, I think most well-known hazy breweries yep. here, right here. Um, I Finback, uh, and then oof, another hazy. I'm like looking at my beer fridge right now. From <laughs> <here>. <laughs> um, I mean, everyone sort of does a good one. Uh, oh, Evil Twin. We have two Evil Twin tap rooms in the city, downtown Brooklyn, and then Ridgewood. So, you know, we hadn't talked about other half, but I, you really can kind of you know track. Brooklyn's more recent beer history, you know, you can almost do it Brooklyn to six point to other half. Um, and there's obviously plenty of others in between. What's, you know, what's the importance of other half to Brooklyn's beer scene, Courtney? Um, 
Yeah, I other half feels like maybe so you have right Broken Brewery six point. Other half feels like maybe the first wave of the really sort of pull. Well, that's not to say these other breweries didn't start this way, mm-hmm. but it just feels more more like the the latest wave of sort of like I remember going into that uh, tap room in like a really just like bare bones warehousey space and the tap room was like you know the size of sort of like a bigger apartment kitchen and you just huddled around and uh there was a a brewery cat that came in and and you had little tasters and to have seen them grown like continuing to go there pretty frequently is like it definitely feels like they were sort of the newer guard even though it's been such a short time Mm -hmm. they started in and we're like what if we did this crazy beer and it feels so commonplace now you know some of these hazy ipas but they were really i think one of the first to really push some boundaries on what beer could be um and really get more people excited about craft beer here yeah it's sort of crazy to think of some of these breweries as kind of ogs of the more modern era you know when they've only been open for maybe less than a decade but that you know other half is one of those places chris what is your experience with other half and and you know sort of same question to you what is its kind of role now in in the local scene i um remember going very early on to uh to the original tasting room center street and there was like a big moose head or something that was in that room and very early who still works there anthony uh meeting anthony he was behind the the bar and was playing great hip-hop and i it was the first conversation like whose who's playlist is this uh so we developed a relationship from those early days and i you know i've done collaborations with other half through beer Wax. um i've gotten to know several of the folks that work at other half but i remember having green diamonds for the first time and it was quite a revelation for me uh, because it was something about that beer and then uh, all green everything like some of their earlier you know hazier juicy IPAs and um, there's like a, it's very nostalgic for me uh, to think about those early days when they didn't have any other locations there was no talk of DC there's no Philly there's no Rochester yeah um, so it's you know I have a very special fond kind of a lot of fondness and and special feelings towards other half um, there's also a bit of somewhat of a critical uh, feeling towards like just line culture and what like transpired around yeah. like this creation of like kind of like the haze bro movement. And uh, but at the same time, like you have to just kind of stand and, and look in wonder of like, wow, like I remember, I think it was the third anniversary. They had a line that was like four blocks long for their releases. So it wrapped around that McDonald's. They were taking yes. photos from the roof. I remember that. Yeah. And even the, the guys were like, what is happening here? Yeah. It's incredible. Just to see the growth and to see like what the cult of other half and what that has become. And the fact they were really printing money that allowed them to create all these other breweries throughout the, really throughout this uh, area and throughout the country. So um, I have a, you know, again, a special relationship with other half. The fact that I was privileged enough to do some collaborations with them. I was, I've, I've DJed at the tap room quite recently. Uh, my wife has sat on one of the panels uh, uh, for, you know, their, their women's forum. So um, I appreciate what they're doing. Um, I still have a lot of friends there, um, you know, but, you know, it's, it's interesting when there were time, people would come to New York and they ask about beer and it's just other half. And that's yep. all, you know, so I'd like to focus attention on other great breweries when people do ask me questions about 
what are my favorite breweries or where should they go if they're asking me for suggestions? I think that's fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think other half gets plenty of press and, you know, certainly we'll have no shortage of customers. So let's take you up on that there and ask the same question I had asked Courtney, you know, what are the, you know, you know, besides other half, what other, you know, three local breweries should people, you know, if they're hopheads, if they love haze, you know, where, where should they focus? Um, Definitely. Well, I want to throw in Wild East, even though they don't really specialize uh, in, in hazy. They have a lot of other styles that they focus on. But when they do come up with, with hazy IPAs, they do them really well. Um, so I would definitely throw that in. Uh, Threes still does great beer all around. Uh, they do have a lot of great New England IPAs as well. Um, and swing on down to Interboro and KCBC because uh, they also have uh, amazing uh, New England IPAs too. What is sort of the, you know, and I'll throw this out, I guess, to Courtney, you know, what is the current thinking on threes? I know that during COVID, they had some, they had some, you know, courted some controversy with regards to an owner or a co-founder who, you know, was, was not crazy about the mask mandates and was sort of not, you know, it was pretty public and on Twitter and other social media about that, you know, has, you know, it's a brewery that I've enjoyed in the past. I think it's got a lovely, you know, it's got a lovely tap room. I've gone there with friends, you know, from the area with their kids and, it, and it's just kind of a nice space spot but you know what is the you know you know this is now maybe a year or two old in terms of some of this controversy where you know where do things stand locally with threes uh i think it was you know a careful and considerate process for the beer community here uh we just really took our time sort of unpacking what was really going on there um you know, this is happening, things like this are happening all throughout the beer industry, of course, like hearing different things that are going on behind the scenes, and, and you sort of have to make sure you're getting the full real story. Um, and I think when it came down to it, you know, there were, there was a moment of being like, of people saying, well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go to threes anymore, I'm not going to pour threes at my bar or have them at this festival. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that was really just on that per that was on that that co-founder mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't you know trickling down into the culture there and i think a lot of people really felt for the employees especially yeah. still still you know in the middle of a pandemic you know people didn't want to see employees losing jobs uh you know threes was one of the first to really pivot i know that's a all dreaded word but you know they rolled out e-com really quickly mm-hmm. and you know the employees were so sort of you know going through all these changes and I, and I don't think people wanted to see them suffer so I think with just like a lot of sort of listening and paying attention and seeing that person uh you know step away from threes it, it's been you know I, I think that we embrace what they're doing there and we embrace the employees there and we want to support them I think that's great. I'm very glad to hear it. It's a place I've, you know, I, the employees were front of mind for me as well when that was going on. And it's not something that they control. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, they will continue to, to progress and do well and uh, love to hear that. So let's stay with you though. You know, three is one of the things that, you know, they had been known for, you know, was lager and, or doing, you know, some lager, you know, what Courtney, what are the top three breweries or people like myself who absolutely adore lager, you know, where should they be drinking? Um, I'll say uh, Wild East. Uh, again, I feel like they're going to keep coming up between Chris <laughs> and I. Um, Endless Life, I know Chris mentioned. Um, gosh, I don't, so like, I, I know a lot of us are on such a big lager kick uh, that I'm like, well, I don't know if I can limit it to three. <laughs> uh, 
but strong rope too uh, does you know some some good uh well maybe I'm, I'm trying to think strong rope's great for like english ales and things like that also um ebbs in williamsburg does some really good nice crisp lagers i feel like everyone's introducing a good you know a good couple to their lineup see so you kind of can't go wrong mm-hmm. um but yeah uh i feel like no matter where you go you'll find a good one but those are probably some some safe bets this name has come up a couple of times uh endless life it's one that you know, i can't say that i'm familiar with um chris what is you know what's the story with endless life so Jeff Lyons, uh, he used to work at Keg and Lantern. He's been in the scene for a very long time. Um, I believe I met uh, Jeff the first time at one of Josh Bernstein's uh, beer writer. Uh, he's been in the community for a long time. He Josh used to do these uh, home brewing jamborees and mm-hmm. would invite all these home brewers into uh, at the time when I went, it was at Jimmy's number 43. And uh, it's incredible because back then, this is now eight years ago or so, um, all, at least three or four of these folks now that were homebrewers have their own breweries. So I met uh, Jason from Strong Rope there for the first time, uh, Jeff, who has Endless Life. Um, and I think, who else was there? Oh, Brett uh, from Wild East was there. Uh, so, you know, Jeff from uh, Endless Life has been in the game for a long time. And it's great that he has this tasting room um, that's really walking distance from that craft beer crawl that I mentioned. Um, and he's doing a lot of great lagers. He's doing some some mixed firm stuff. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend it. Courtney, another name that's come up quite a bit is Wild East. You know what what is it about them that you love? Uh, they're one of my favorites. Uh, just what they're doing. Um, I think now they're almost we to kind of keep up with a the theme here. Even the short lifespan so far of New York City craft beer, I think there have been all these different waves. And I think Wild East is sort of one of the leaders of this wave of like, you know, okay, we've shown that we can do hazy IPAs. What else you got? Mm -hmm. And Wildies came on and said, you know, we're going to do um, more European traditional styles. So they do really lovely Belgian styles. Um, They're doing, you know, Czech lagers over there. They're, you know, leaning into decoction mashing. Um, So, as Chris mentioned, when you go, they they will always have some hazy IPA presence there because, you know, you never want anyone to show up to the tap room and and sort of be, or, you know, maybe you do, depending on the brewery. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, they, they'll have something for everyone. But then maybe what I love about them is that maybe you have someone coming in who doesn't really know much about craft beer, but they're like, I like something fruity, judy, you know, juicy, uh, hazy, you know, on the sweeter side. And then maybe you can start to sort of like get them to explore different styles and have you know a uh, a grisette or something a smoked doppelbach i mean wild east is just doing things that very few other breweries here are doing this is a brewery i've somehow slept i've somehow slept on this brewery and i I, even though i've walked i'm sure i'm looking at the address right now i've walked by it i'm sure a bunch of times Uh, chris what is it about wild east that you love it's again just the the diversity in styles. The fact that they are leaning into awesome. the, so many styles. There's an alt beer that we've had on on draft for. It, it lasts a little bit longer than you know maybe an IPA or even a pill. Wait, you're you're saying alt beer is hard to sell? <laughs> yeah, but, but no. it was so it was so good. It was so good, and we kept pushing the hell out of it because you know the fact that they did such a fantastic job with the style that isn't as popular um you know they had moon atlas was was an amber lager that was also fan that one actually 
kicked pretty quickly. Um, but just the fact that they're they're doing such kind of styles that aren't as popular and doing them so damn well. Um, and also their fruiter age, like mixed firm program uh, is amazing. So they have, most of it goes into bottles, but anytime I see one, I try to snag a, you know, a case uh, and again, try to really uh, kind of sell our customers on, on the good stuff. So you've transitioned to my next area. So you've already answered one of them, but what are two other breweries that you talk about for either sour beer or mixed firm kind of beer? Definitely Finback uh, is, would be my first, uh, you know, they're known, they're really kind of like a triple threat in many ways. They, they do their barrel, barrel aged stout so well, really great New England IPAs, but their barrel aged mixed firm stuff, uh, you know, if you go to the Queens tap room, their original location, so many barrels lined up. I used to work there, so I'm a little bit uh, biased, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it, even if I didn't work there, it, you know, the beer, the liquid speaks for itself. Um, but I definitely recommend folks that may not even really understand mixed fermentation beer uh, or farmhouse ales, et cetera, to, to give it a try because they have a lot of bottles that, you know, at least at Beer Wax are, are sitting there. Maybe we're not doing a great job highlighting them, which we want to try to start doing more. Uh, but Finback is a brewery that really is on the top of my list as well because they do so many things really great. Um, and then another... Let me think. Um, You know, I would say because this is not something that anyone would ever probably imagine because you don't think of Interbur as being one that does, you know, barrel age and mixed firm stuff well. But they have uh, quite a, especially around the anniversary time, they have quite a bottle list of things that uh, are really well, that are farmhouse ales, that are wild firm sours that I also feel like are, are kind of slept on. And Courtney, um, same sort of question for you. Any any other names you would throw in there beyond the ones that Chris you know advocated for for sour, or mixed firm, or barrel aged beer? I know those are three you know wildly different categories, but yeah. And I think we have a few different uh, representations. So definitely Big Alice because uh, Big Alice's original location is in Long Island City uh, in Queens. But then we also have a barrel room uh, in Industry City. So again, that's a, a great afternoon visit for someone anyway because you know that's um just a little bit if you keep going south of that sort of Gowanus neighborhood we were talking about you can go to industry city and find a ton of you know little distilleries and restaurants and food halls and big alice is doing some really great uh uh, some you know mixed firm things there um or you know at least some uh always some great sours and some barrel aged uh gems happening there um if you go to talea or KCBC, you can get really amazing fruited sours, uh, really big sort of genius flavor combinations happening there. Um, Endless Life, again, I know we're going to keep bringing them up, but (laughs) really, really great with mixed firm uh, uh, styles, uh, farmhouse styles. I'm going to say Strong Rope again here. Yeah, so you can get a few different things depending on whether you're looking for something a little bit more traditional farmhouse or something that's more of like on the fruited sour end of the scale. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the breweries. You know, this is obviously, you know, Brooklyn's obviously a fantastic, you know, bar scene as well. And we'll move beyond beer here in a moment. But, um, you know, for Courtney, you know, Chris's place is closed. He's decided to take his staff on a, on a paid vacation. They're getting a little bit of a break. They've been working really hard, doing a great job. So you can't go to beer wax. You know, what are your other can't miss beer bars? Uh, 
Well, as Chris mentioned, uh, Beer Street has a really great space one block away from them. They're, they're also uh, in the sort of Williamsburg area. Beer Street's a great bar. Um, you know, some of the ones we've mentioned, Hops Hill, Covenhoven. Um, so some of the ones by me that I sort of go to all the time because they're more in my sort of like South Park Slope uh, neighborhood uh, are the Owl Farm and the Gate. Um, I love love Owl Owl Farm. Love it. Yeah, those are sort of like, and they've got like an older. They're like very OG. Like they've got like a pub feel, mm-hmm. um, but really great beer lists. Um, gosh, again, I'm like I'm gonna get off this and and think of like four others. Uh, <laughs> I I can save you here. There's there's two names that that often come up. Um, or at least historically would have come up that we haven't talked about yet. And I'll ask, I'll ask each of you a different question about them. Chris, what's uh, what's your relationship with Spite and Dival and you know, where does it stand? It was you know, talking about OGs and the craft beer scene. I can remember myself walking around Brooklyn the better part of 20 years ago, you know, pre-phone GPS, mm-hmm. you kind of just had a map, like yep. maybe you printed out your, you know, your Alta Vista maps or something. You're <laughs> wow. wandering around in the dark trying to figure out, you know, where the hell you are, trying to find this, you know, this Belgian beer bar. You know, yeah. you know, it was kind of a it was that and mugs maybe back then. So <laughs> wow. like, you know, what yeah, I tell you, I'm dating myself a bit here, but uh, you know, what you know, what's spite and dival situation and and what you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll, you mentioned mugs, so I want to go there first sure. because uh, 1998 to 2000, uh, my first two years of teaching in New York City public schools, and I taught at a school right down the block from Interboro called Grand Street Campus, um, which is on the intersection of Bushwick Ave and Grand Street. There was no other; there were no other bars uh, in all of Williamsburg. So when the teachers wanted to go on Friday to let off some steam, we would go to mugs, and there was mm-hmm. nothing else in that area at all so it's pretty amazing how uh i know mugs i may open again yeah uh, but it it closed down um so fast forward a few years uh you know already into craft beer Uh, i was with my my wife maybe my fiance at the time and we're exploring she's from bushwick we used to live in ridgewood together we lived in bushwick together so we're exploring williamsburg and this is pretty early on uh we ran into spite and dival uh didn't know much about the space. We were blown away by just like the rustic nature. All the there was like school desks and and random furniture, and it was the first time that someone told us like, "Oh, the bottom of this bottle is just a whole bunch of yeast, mm-hmm. um, and you can decide to drink it or we can just leave it." And I, that was very much during the early learning like days and phase of of our craft beer experience, and and just the fact that they were that attentive to like education. Uh, and talking about beer and had and really that showed me like how much beer can be elevated um, as as a look you both are beer writers right you can write whole books on beer you can have <laughs> you know like Garrett has done done a whole you know dictionary a whole uh, compendium of of craft beer knowledge right so the fact that someone took their time to really explain something that you know is kind of like someone would just ah whatever but we remember that moment so I really hold a special place for spine mm-hmm. dive because of that. And for Courtney, what about Torst? That hasn't, it's a name that hasn't come up yet. Um, I have mixed feelings on Torst right now. Uh, they had a beer event for a brewery. I wish they didn't, uh, a brewery that, you know, it's, it's complicated. Like people can have them on tap and it's just, you know, again, we don't want to see employees, uh, at these breweries 
put out. So like, that's one thing, but I wasn't a fan of sort of like a lot of the gushing about the brewery um, with some of the, the things that have been done by the owner. Um, so I'm kind of holding tourists at arm's length right now. It's sad because I've had many, many wonderful evenings there. They're definitely, they've been a special place in the past with an absolutely cutting edge tap list somewhere you could go get beers, you know, from both uh, near and far, obviously a lot of special European styles and things like that, um, that you couldn't be getting anywhere else and an amazing food program that you don't often find. Um, but I'm, I'm this like kind of just happened. So right now I'm, I'm on the, you know, sort of seeing how things go sure. of that place. That seems entirely fair. So let's transition you into a different place. What's one, miss, one can't miss dive bar. Hmm. Um, I mean, you know, dive bar, dive bar, I guess we're not even then talking about craft beer anymore, but I do also have, uh, again, if you were go going to go to like the gate and the owl farm, um, if you go to high dive, which is on that fifth Avenue stretch here in this park slope area, um, they've definitely got a really fun divier feel, um that's more you know like late night spot and yet they have a killer beer list so yeah. it's a you, you don't feel like you're walking into like a quote-unquote beer bar mm -hmm. um but then you'll be surprised to find that they've got pretty much you know a lot of local breweries represented and you can get whatever style you're you're craving and chris what about uh what about you any dive bar favorites i don't think i've been to a dive bar in over five years <laughs> <laughs> It's just hard. It's hard to. I have to be very selective with my time. Yes. Uh, when I go out, so uh, yeah, I I cannot answer that unfortunately. What about what about uh, a place a great place for cocktails? Uh, Weather up right across the street from Beer Wax uh, makes some really fantastic cocktails, um, and I haven't been there in over two years either. But uh, I want to give them a shout because they're our neighbors, and and sometimes you know. Uh, we do our cocktail program as well, but if you want to step it up a notch, uh, just walk right across the street to Weather Up. Now, Courtney, is there is there a brewery that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, you know, a great or or even I guess a beer bar, a great place that you know doesn't get enough attention or sort of flying under the radar that people should try to reconnect with. I'm going to cheat and say two because I did think of one of the beer bars that I would have been mad about not mentioning because it is one of the most classic in classic uh in here in the city uh and that's blind tiger ale yes. house in the west village i mean that's i think where a lot of us really learned about beer and not only were they one of the first that you walked in and just saw like two chalkboards full of different uh you know belgian styles but also local breweries that were just starting out but then they would also be having tap takeovers and events uh, so that's a huge really important one in the West Village. So that's also great, I think, for tourism. And then breweries, I don't think we haven't mentioned Fifth Hammer, have we? Um, no. They are also in Long Island City, which is another great neighborhood where you can walk to a handful of breweries. Um, but Fifth Hammer uh, is always doing amazing things and another really, really well-rounded uh, beer list. Uh, you can usually get something on, or you can often get something on cask, um, you know, your, your stouts, your lagers, your sours, your IPAs, and it's a great hang. Chris, same question for you. Any brewery or, or beer bar, a great place that doesn't get enough attention or is flying under the radar someplace we should maybe reconnect with? Definitely. I, I didn't mention uh, Fifth Hammer since I know they're not officially in Brooklyn, but I love Fifth Hammer as well. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, 
I would say Daleview beer, uh, biscuits and beer. Uh, they're the only, which is crazy, the only black owned brewery in all of New York State. They have an exceptional food program. They do uh, gluten free biscuits and biscuit sandwiches. And uh, Flint, who is a, a veteran in the New York City beer scene, is their head brewer. So definitely check them out. It's a lovely place um, doing great beer. And it's just a great experience to go. Uh, and they're in Flatbush, uh, by the way, and I believe Flatbush, um, and Strong Rope, I know we've mentioned Strong Rope, they have two locations in Brooklyn, uh, but their Red Hook location, uh, is a little bit off the beaten path, but it's, it's packed, uh, in the summertime, it is packed because it's the number one best view of any brewery in New York City. Um, you see the sunset, you can look at the Statue of Liberty as you're drinking uh, an amazing golden ale or any of the great beers that they put out. Um, and it's really, there's nothing else like it in terms of, of your access to an amazing view and great beer at the same time. We're getting to wrap up here. And this is a question I've been asking in recent episodes, and it can be sometimes a little bit controversial, but I think it's helpful for people to, you know, who are traveling or, 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 you know, coming to a city to understand, you know, not just the great places, but places that maybe they need to to consider, you know, not having on their list. So are there any breweries or, or bars that you would think, you know, maybe people have heard of or that need to kind of step up their games or have been slacking? And Courtney kind of had a, you know, a thought, and I'll buy her a little time to think here, um, you know, sort of has, you know, some understandable questions with Torst. Um, but putting that aside, Courtney, do you think, you know, where do you think you would you know kind of direct people maybe away from until they until they you know sort of bring things back up? Hmm. If there's anywhere anywhere I would direct people away from, I think you know no matter it just depends on what you're looking for and what experience you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I sort of there's no one that comes to mind that I I think you know even if they might like sort of lag for a brief moment, I feel like people are always catching up, uh, you know, and bringing things back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is, a, I don't want to take a total cop out here and just not answer. Uh, it's a, it's a tough question, which I think kind of brings up, you know, we've done four episodes of this so far and the answer is either people are like, yeah, I've got a list. Hold on. And let me like go through air the grievances or people are like, whoa, whoa, I am not touching that. I don't want to get into that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, not, not, uh, I don't want to see anyone sort of like be directed, you know, be losing people because no one, no one's really ever on the back foot for that long. I don't think here again, everyone's so new. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you just give them a moment. They're going to introduce something new. Um, you know, I think other half was a great example because even if you got tired of you're like, okay, we get it. Like haze craze, haze bros, things like that. But then they come out and they're like, no, we do really great Pilsners too. And then they're like showing how invested they are in the community um, and diversity with their women's forum. So it's like, no one, no one's ever sort of uh, out for too long. Chris, we'll put the same question to you. I've, I've seen you, you thinking about it there. I plead the fifth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very challenging for me as a business owner that sure. I, do some, you know, I work with uh, many of these breweries. Uh, not all, but um, I don't want to write anyone off because they it, maybe they're just out of my radar or haven't mm -hmm. tried their beer in a while. Maybe a sales rep hasn't come around. Uh, a good example is Keg and Lantern. Have not had them on, uh, on tap, I don't think, ever. Uh, but it's not because I think their beer is terrible. I just haven't been exposed to them much mm -hmm. lately. 
I was exposed to them when uh, uh, when Jeff was there working, but in the past two years, I haven't. So I don't want to, you know, to say that beer is terrible because I haven't tried it. We've been working at trying to get a date on the calendar for me to go to the Red Hook Tap Room and try some of the beer. Uh, so they really like, and that's just an example. I, I bring them up, not to say that they're mm-hmm. on that list, just to be yeah. clear. They're just an example of, I don't want to throw out a name because of the ignorance uh, of not having the access to, to try them. Courtney, to finish out here, um, you have some friends coming in from out of town and you have just a, you're planning an evening out for them and it doesn't necessarily have to be around, you know, your apartment or where they're staying. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about a lot of different places here. You know, you're curating that night out. Where do you, where do you want to take them? I mean, the great thing is, and I've had this happen before, is sometimes you curate these nights out and then someone says, Ooh, I actually read about this and I want to yep. go there. And the nice thing is you can hop on a train or in an Uber, which is why I think I have been accidentally mentioning places that are, are like just over the border in places like Long Island, Long Island mm-hmm. City. That's because, you know, I've been in Greenpoint in Brooklyn and walked over there. Mm. So I think accessibility is yep. huge. You can hop, you can, I can be, you know, at Blind Tiger in 15 minutes. So yep. it's cool because if someone's like, you know, I, I need to visit this like iconic spot. You can, but that being said, um, I do think Beer Wax's neighborhood, that that beer crawl that Chris described is a fantastic night out. When people come visit, I'm like, okay, you know, you've seen Williamsburg, you, you know, you're used to maybe that neighborhood, um, but here's this special walk that we can do, you know, kind of you know, going from like the sort of downtown Brooklyn area um, to sort of Prospect Heights, we can dip into Crown Heights and we can get into these special little beer bars. We can hit Endless Life. Um, and the great thing is Vanderbilt Avenue, where like Beer Street and Beer Wax are, is also lined with absolutely fantastic restaurants. So you can hit a great spot for dinner. There's cocktails. So I think that has everything you need. Chris, you actually get a night off from the bar. You get a night off from family. You just you're able to you know take these friends out. Where are you going? I'm not going to beer wax because I, I want a night out. <laughs> so, um, but, and I, and just Courtney, thank you so much for all the incredible writing and, and being such an incredible supportive person that you are uh, for the bar. Um, as we approach five years, uh, it's, it's just incredible to have people like you in our corner. Um, but yeah, it's, it's rare that I, I get that night out. So I'm, al- I'm almost at a, a loss for ideas because uh, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I would like to basically visit a place like Beer Wax um, a, that has incredible music uh, that, and I can just sit and drink, you know, amazing beer, but it not be my own bar. <laughs> not to give any ideas. I don't want anyone else making another Beer Wax uh, <laughs> in New York City, but um, but that's really what I would really look for um, to just have the great ambiance of of amazing sounds and and being able to just try different beers. So that's, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, uh, but I just, I haven't, and I, all the places that I mentioned would be on my list. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't want to beat a dead horse by saying again, Wild East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Court, 
Chris, I, I greatly thank both of you. This has been a really entertaining episode. I'm I'm so excited to come to Brooklyn next month. Uh, excited to come out to beer work or beer wax and 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 try a lot of these places. And I learned, you know, I you know some of these places you know I've I've been to, and a lot of these places I have not. There's there's great names here that I don't that I don't know about, and I'm I'm both of you have sold them beautifully. So I'm excited for it. I'm sure the listeners will be excited for it. But I just want to thank uh, both of you for being on this episode of Beer Travelers. Very welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. Thanks for listening to the Beer Travelers podcast. If you have a suggestion for a town we should visit next, please drop us a line at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Please give our podcast a review wherever you listen. It really helps folks find out about us. And if you like the episode, tell a friend and post on your socials. Interested in learning more about connecting with an engaged, energetic, and interested audience of curious beer consumers and brewers? We have many different advertising opportunities, including through our podcasts, website, newsletter, and social media channels. For more information, please contact us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Stop living vicariously through other people's social media posts and get out and make some memories of your own. Join Pub Culture Beercations for one of our upcoming tours and start exploring the world one pint at a time with us. Visit pubculturebeercations.com for more information. All About Beer is back. And we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts.